podcast ain't played nobody, Bill. You got to give the people what they want. You know what the people want? Absolutely. They want me to read a press release and talk about it in between the different paragraphs. You ready? As long as, long as it's G5, they absolutely want that. Well, look, if we if we get a Power 5 television contract that we can pick apart this season, great. That's, that's, true. If, that's true. That's if true. If not, we will march along in our home neighborhood. Um, uh, Dateline, Irving, Texas. I always love it when press releases have Datelines. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Uh, Conference USA has a new TV deal. Um, they, uh, they've announced today, Bill, did you know that it's innovative? It's a multimedia rights partnership, and it's an agreement. It's innovative with- in that it barely involves ESPN. Or no, it doesn't involve ESPN. A multi-year agreement makes CBS Sports the primary rights holder for Conference USA football and men's basketball, televising the conference's best games, including the championship game in each sport on CBS Sports Network. Um, Conference USA Commissioner Judy McLeod also announced that Stadium, and we'll talk about Stadium in a second, that's me, has expanded uh, on last year's partnership and will receive a strong selection of Conference USA football and men's basketball games. Oh, I'll skip over the crappy <laughs> anything. Let's get straight to it. Beginning with the 2018-19 season, CBS Sports Network will broadcast nine, woo, nine football games plus the Conference USA Football Championship and eight men's basketball games per year, as well as the CUSA, sorry, CUSA Men's Basketball Championships semifinals, men's and women's uh, basketball championship games. CBS Sports has also reached an innovative, there's that word again, Bill, deal with facebook to sub license and produce select cusa football and basketball games that will be broadcast exclusively on facebook the agreement allows for three football games and six basketball games per year to air on facebook this the games will be a cbs sports production with cbs sports announcers graphics and branding uh, blah, blah 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 so stuck in this we'll start picking this apart and trying to explain why this is important is that you have a quote in here from the programming vp at cbs basically congratulating facebook and sort of kissing ass to facebook so i find that interesting right away um here's a quote from somebody who works for cbs this unique deal he didn't say innovative there Allow CBS Sports Network to become the primary home of Conference USA, televising the conference's top games, including championship games for both sports. And in doing so, we're bringing on a new partner in Facebook, sub-licensing select games. Um, Bill, did you did you have any interaction last year with Stadium? I did. Um, that was one of those where if I'm watching the scores and it's the fourth quarter and it's a three-point game and there was always a three-point game in Conference USA, um, I would go to our, our good, uh, the, the best website in all of college football, lsufootball.net, where he always had these stadium links handy. Yeah. Uh, and I would click over and I would watch the last whatever, three, six minutes over time, whatever it was. Um, so that was fine. It was fine. I mean, it was extremely bare bones, but I don't mind that at all. Uh, it had, it had multiple camera angles. Uh, there was nothing innovative about it, but they got stuff on TV and, and, uh, or they got stuff available for you to find if you were looking for it. Uh, and it was free. So all around, not the worst experience in the world. Um, here's, here's the boilerplate on stadium because I believe it or not, I do. I, I, I think that if you listen to the show, you may actually not know stadium or not be affiliated with it. Or you, you, I, I think the way I discovered stadium was playing around with the Facebook live broadcast last year. I think I mentioned this on a previous show. It was a UTSA game. Um, and stadium had that watermark in the actual video feed, but that's, that's pretty much it. 
Um, stadium's the original cord cutter. This is their boilerplate. Uh, the original cord cutters, 24 seven sports network, a multi-platform network, 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 featuring exclusive live and on-demand games and events, blah, 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 blah. Um, the, there's not really much here to tell you except uh, a 24 seven linear feed distributed across both digital and broadcast. Yeah, that means nothing. That means nothing. That means nothing. Um, they use BAM tech, which you should know means that they have high quality tech. BAM tech is what, uh, back when streaming really started in earnest from the actual rights holders like MLB, BAM tech was the thing. That's like the best technology you have. WWE licensed it when they, when they did their VOD app thing. So it means it's quality. Um, and I will say this, we got some, we got some, uh, ask PAPN about this right away. Um, as I expect from our, from our nation, but, uh, <laughs> all of the complaining I did about CBS sports network for the last two years rescinded redacted because they did finally get off their asses and, and develop partnerships with, with streaming services. So, um, just in this press release alone, they mentioned that they're on YouTube TV, PlayStation view, direct TV, which I think also means direct TV now. Uh, Hulu, um, I think they were on Sling. They may not be on Sling at the moment. Um, the point is, like, they're they are acceptably accessible. All right. So if you do fall into this, where you need to watch one of these games, I think you're going to have a decent shot at watching them. And I will say this: their stream quality is pretty strong. CBS is okay. stream quality is pretty strong. Um, again, one of the things that this does not mention, does not talk about at all, is where's the money. We don't really know. Um, yeah, the the one one of the things I saw from I think it was uh, the official AP report, one of the Virginia papers. Well, the official AP report does mention uh, CUSA announced the deal with CBS Sports on Wednesday. Financial terms were not disclosed, and the season uh, the contract officially begins next season and runs through 20, 2023. Somebody mentioned something about a basically an extra two hundred thousand dollars a year per team, which that um, is terrible for for. For the SEC would uh, be a drop in the bucket if even if, if even that and and for uh, for Conference USA it's you know probably more noticeable at least but obviously it's not any sort of massive uh, upgrade. I really I mean the thing the most notice, noticeable thing about this for me is just that it barely it doesn't include ESPN. There's still you know so there was some verbiage in one of the reports about uh, they're still working with ESPN. I assume on the like the watch ESPN stuff or whatever. Um, but really, you know, it's we've talked about this before. I mean, ESPN if you can find an alternative that actually makes money, then you can kind of stand out when you're not just in, uh, drowning in the wash of everything else at ESPN. Yes. But I don't see that it's clear that any of this makes any more money for anybody. Here's, here's the positives. All right. We don't know the money, so I can't really comment on this. But I can go ahead and tell you right now that this is not something that's going to dramatically change the state of anybody's athletic budget. All right. Number one. Right. Number two, they are getting rid of that Frankenstein rights deal where some games were on ESPN, some games were on CBS, but then, and, that, and that's fine. A lot of people do that. Hell, the SEC does that. But then you had BN Sports, you had the American Sports Network. It was really just a, they were really kind of throwing out their inventory just to say that it was broadcast. It was, I mean, they weren't making any money on those bottom tier deals right. at all. <laughs> so this is, um, this is a little bit more cohesive. Um, I think, it's really the onus is going to fall on CBS to create a, a, a strong branding identity. I hate that word branding. 
but what that means is they just need to promote this damn thing. Um, the best and easiest way to do that is when you are going pre and half and post game on the 230 Central uh, SEC on CBS game, which is usually one of the highest rated broadcasts of college football on any given Saturday, you got to be able to plug this, this CUSA deal. You have to. You could just say, hey, yeah. you know, uh, Western Kentucky and North Texas, we're, we're playing on CBS Sports tonight. Um, they could throw it out to do a quick, like, 90-second live preview at the stadium. They've got to be able to do something. Or if it's just even a highlights package. Yeah. They have to give, in, in pro wrestling, they call it the rub. They've got to give the rub to CBS Sports Network. They've got to give the rub to CUSA and let them feel like they're actually part of the the cbs sports apparatus because that's that sec prime spot not prime time but that acts that that 230 spot is an institution right i i mean the behavioral pattern of of college football viewers is that even if you're not necessarily a fan of a team playing you know that one of the two teams playing on that 230 slot or even in the sec you're you're gonna you're gonna wander over there at a certain point so they've got to be able to do that um the big takeaway is much like the the Sunbelt thing. Um, I, I think it's a little interesting that they, they moved away from ESPN. They they did what I thought the Sunbelt or maybe even the Mac should have done. Um, full disclosure, obviously, we work for SB Nation, which is in, in basically – how do I do this real fast, Bill? SB Nation is part of the Vox Media Network. Vox Media has a substantial – investment from comcast they don't own us but we are in we're we're sort of a kissing cousin of the of the comcast family so what i'm about to say take with a grain of salt i always thought um that nbc sports should have picked off one of these deals yeah if only for nbc to then rally around college football content at the fbs level that isn't notre dame and it deepens their bench and it allows for some unique promotion yeah, I love this that is NBC what CBS is going to do now. I love that NBC Sports carries the Ivy League, um, and that's something I took advantage of a few times, and that's that's cool. But I mean, it seems like they, they can handle more, um, and, and this would certainly you've got a few mid major conferences here that you know would be, there would probably be willing uh, experimental partners. So um, we'll see what NBC. Yeah, obviously, I kind of get why CBS does this. It is an inventory thing. It does uh, you know allow them to experiment with different kind of forms of media and whatever else. Uh, but like you said, they need to promote it. They've done a horrid job of that. The only reason I know even where to get stadium or links to the stadium content is LSU football.net. Uh, and that's probably not something that's going to work for a vast majority of college football listeners. By the way, stadium um, does look like they've, I mean, they're kind of putting together an interesting little team here. It, they're just grabbing stuff where they can. It looks like they've got okay. a partnership. If you go to state, watchstadium.com and, and you mouse over there, the networks tab, you see they have partnerships with ACC Digital, Big 12 Digital, Conference USA Network, Mountain West Network, Patriot League Network, uh, the WTV. What is that? Oh, that's uh, the West Coast Conference. Um, which might be about to lose Gonzaga and Stadium Plus, which okay. is uh, five hundred exclusive actually, live games. But what are they actually showing inside of those? Uh, well, right now, a whole heck of a lot of softball uh, and lacrosse because it's the wrong time of year. But I bet during basketball, if I if we had paid attention during basketball, they would have probably had a lot of basketball content. So I just clicked on Big Twelve content. This is always where it's so misleading for average consumers. They don't quite understand where they say like, "Oh, stadiums the home for Big Twelve Digital." Okay, well, it's not the home, but they have a partnership. Whatever. I'm scrolling through Big Twelve Digital. I mean, most of it. Th- these are clips. These are yep. these are basic clips, uh, you know, 
highlights packages, um, you know, uh, conference produced sort of like little studio preview, you know, that's it. That's essentially, I think they may have women's basketball on here. This is just not something that's like going to drive people. And so if you're stadium, you've got to be able to get live content. Live content is key in sports. Live content is key in television. It's why those competition reality shows like the bachelor and stuff are so popular. Um, Look, we can drill on this sideways, upside down. Bottom line is this. If you're a college football fan, this doesn't really change anything. It's an exploratory effort into what Facebook is going to do as a non-traditional rights holder, but they're barely a rights holder here. And also, a grand experiment with Facebook or a grand experiment with Twitter is going to be something probably closer to what we saw with a Thursday night NFL broadcast because people are going to have, you know, American, the American viewing public is going to have more interest even in the crappy Tampa Bay Jets game, or I shouldn't even use the Jets because they're a New York market. You know, it it could be, uh, it could be a November game with the, I don't know, Buccaneers and Cardinals with, with seven combined wins between the two teams. And more people are going to tune in to watch that because of fantasy football and because it's the NFL. And when Facebook does numbers, that's one of the things that like, you can you can try and get a, a, a better idea for of like what's going to happen. Um, all that being said, I don't think this is going to change anything. I think no. I think Facebook, if they really want to be serious, they have to make a serious bid at like a Power Five conference, maybe the American, and really blow it out and do something different with it. Be able to sort of promote and ride the waves of you know when there's a tom herman situation or willie taggart situation or even matt rule um i think there is an uptick and a strong interest in american athletic conference games in november and december because look at how many major programs have then courted and hired one of those coaches and then that fan base specifically it's kind of funny if you're like a major power in college football the last couple years and your team's eating the curb you're probably keeping your eye on the AAC because there's a hot coaching, you know, candidate there. So yeah. in a couple of years, if it's, if it's Josh, if it's Heupel or if it's Jeff Collins or, you know, I don't know, um, you know, maybe major Applewhite or something like that, then, then I think, you know, if, if they were set up on some cool to be determined, neat way of like watching these games on Facebook or publicizing these games on Facebook, then, you know, maybe that would change how we're how we look at the non-traditional rights holders. But I mean, the AAC has a deal with ESPN that's still running. It doesn't pay them much, but they're just folded into that inventory. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Anytime you take away inventory from ESPN, it's very interesting because they have to be able <laughs> to spread this stuff across networks. So this doesn't really do much for them. It picks off a few. Um, what's the biggest game? That, I mean, what do they say? Eight games are going to be on CBS Sports Network. I mean, what's the biggest game they're going to have this year? We did this. Uh, I mean, we did this. It's going to be something that involves FAU. Yeah, we've done this on multiple shows. It'll be super interesting to see if they can rally around FAU. How many of these games are going to be FAU games, and how and how much interest does that really draw? Right. That's that's the best way to to watch this. Other than that, I don't think it changes much. Um, So a bunch of you asked if we could sit here and talk about it specifically. I kind of think that's it. Um, I will use this as a nice segue so we can kind of jump off of this and into our uh, our other stuff this week. Andrew Gregory, uh, a frequent question asker, says, uh, just moved near Boca. How many years will the lane train be at FAU? And will watching them crush Air Force be the most satisfying home game to attend as an Army grad? Um, I would definitely give FAU, I guess they're on the schedule this year, I would definitely give FAU the advantage right away on Air Force. Um, oh, God, yeah. 
uh, especially yeah with, with what they would do to that defense um in open field in open space sorry uh how long will the lane train be here i think we can just go ahead and say that he's the the next train out will be the lane train right it's just a question of is that this year or is that next year yeah um it was very close to being this year i think i think if if the tennessee job isn't the tennessee job he takes that one i mean (laughs) right he he and his reps had had made overtures to a lot of places including Ole miss um he would love to be back in the sec so real fast do we think there's an sec job that's going to open this year I mean, there you there usually is. Yeah, Kentucky is one to watch. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, Lane Kiffin at Vanderbilt would be. Uh, I don't even know what that would be. I don't have an adjective for that, but I, you know, uh, anytime I don't have an adjective for something, I encourage it to happen just because I want to see what happens. But uh, let's see, Alabama, no, Arkansas, no, Auburn. I mean, always maybe, but probably not. Florida, no, Georgia, no, Kentucky, possibly, LSU, probably not, uh, Mississippi, no. Mississippi State, no. Missouri, no. Uh, well, Missouri, barring uh, an outright collapse because he hired Derek Dooley, um, no. South Carolina, no. Tennessee, no. AM, no. Vanderbilt, probably. So we're looking at K- Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and then an outlier shot at somebody like Missouri or like an LSU or something. Well, the insane thing here is that if, if LSU is 7-5, and five, do they go after the guy they wanted to be their OC two years ago? Right. I don't think LSU's going seven and five this year. I don't think they're I don't think they're firing at Ozer on this year. I'm just saying when you, you have to create really stupid scenarios because that's usually the most right. likely thing in the Southeastern Conference, and then that's that's what you get with Lane. I, you know, there's not a West Coast job he's gonna go back to. Obviously, USC's not gonna happen. UCLA is spoken for very, very much so. And um, you know, Lane would have been a, a really good Arizona State head coach. Yeah. Would have worked. One either of the Arizona schools, yeah. It would have worked. Very strange. But yeah, so this year in the power rankings, the Conference USA power rankings that went out on Monday morning, um, it, it, it's FAU in its own tier. I wanted to get, I always try, when I find myself like gravitating towards what feels like a pretty obvious uh, answer or, or whatever, I, I try to talk myself into a different answer and there was just no talking myself into it. They've got, they, you know, Jason Driscoll, their quarterback, uh, retired. Uh, from football in the uh, early off season. And uh, so in theory, that could be problematic, but a, they were already pretty bad on passing downs. They just didn't face any uh, B they've got Deandre Johnson. The, the he's the, uh, the, the kid who was committed to FAU with the, the, you know, the, the, the checkered pass at Florida state. Um, and, and then Lane kept, kept him when he showed up on campus, got Deandre Johnson, who was hurt last year, right before the season started. Otherwise he might've started anyway. And they've got now, uh, Chris Robeson, the, uh, Oklahoma transfer. So between those two and Daniel Parr last year's backup, who did it, who did okay, uh, in backup work, I'd say they're going to have a, a, as good or better quarterback situation. They've got Devin Singletary, uh, maybe the best player in the entire mid major universe. He was awesome, uh, in his last, in, in FAU's last year pre lane. And then he went out and rushed for almost 2000 yards, uh, despite a kind of a slow start last year, he could get hurt this year. Cause he's been taken on. He took on a crazy load, like 20 plus carries a game. And he 
he's only 5'9", 200. Uh, but if he does get hurt, then uh, the backups are Kareth White Jr., who was also very good last year, averaged almost exactly the same numbers as, as Singletary, and former Alabama running back B.J. Emmons, who uh, was originally a, a blue chipper um, and then got hurt and lost his place in line. Uh, so they're probably just fine there. Uh, receiver, you know, all those horizontal passes that Lane Kiffin likes to throw. Yep. He has Willie Wright, who um, did a nice job in a kind of an efficiency role last year. And then Jovan Durante, the former four-star kid uh, who played at West Virginia for a couple of years. So they're good. <laughs> they're, they're, they're good. And they're going to be good. And uh, their defense returns almost everybody. Yeah. Obviously, the major question for them is the coordinators. They lost both. Um, and he kind of, I don't want to say he aimed low, but he, he, he aimed on it. He, he got two very mid major hires, not necessarily two uh, like not, not Kendall Bryles and his brother uh, this time around. It's Tony Pecoraro from Southern Miss uh, because obviously a coach proves himself at Southern Miss and then looks to leave immediately. Uh, team tends to be how those things work. And then his, yeah. And then his offensive coordinator, is fascinating and would be a very alarming if we didn't already assume that Lane Kiffin was the offensive coordinator. His offensive coordinator is now Charlie Weiss jr. Who's like 12 years old um, or, you know, 26, but that was a very strange hire. But, you know, we, we know that Lane Kiffin, w- what he's going to bring to the table offensively at this point, And that's probably not going to change no matter who the OC is. Uh, well, let's just go ahead and continue to knock out the multiple FAU questions that we got this week. Uh, I don't know why exactly, but we'll just roll through them. Um, another longtime listener, uh, Stephen Allen, uh, when FAU goes 13 and 0 beating OU and defending <laughs> national champions, UCF, well done. How do you think Lane Kiffin will respond to not being in the playoff? And then let's just marry that real fast with, um, let's see, I'm probably, uh, Jordan Ballant. I think I'm probably butchering that last name. Um, this is probably a SBN Bill C question. Yeah, I mean, when you say it is, it is. Uh, which teams can make a leap in S&P Plus like Fresno and FAU did last year? Um, I think the reason why I wanted to marry those two together is that FAU's leap, I think, is pretty unique. Well, right, so I, I don't mean, know if there's like a FAU. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I should, I'll, I'll ask you, is there – is Hirelane Kiffin the answer? Like – well, both of those, I mean, right. I mean, seven leaps of 70 plus spots are rare for a reason. And, and, you know, you yes. don't really see them coming. Otherwise they probably wouldn't have been in the, you know, that, that means you have to be in like the nineties or hundreds or hundred tens. That said last year's rankings were weird. And some of the teams in the eighties and nineties last year included Pitt, who, who was 82nd. So they would have to jump to like 12th, which isn't going to happen. But if you go further down, Florida was 86. Um, Let's see. Uh, well, Syracuse was 88. That's probably a bit much, but Kentucky was 92nd. Uh, where's Tennessee? Tennessee was 107th. And so them jumping wow. to the top 40, that feels like a cop-out saying an SEC team, but th- between them and Nebraska also being in the triple digits, you would assume that those are the two most likely. I'm keeping an eye on Cincinnati. That's probably too much to ask for them to jump from the hundreds to the thirties in one year, but it's a possibility. This year, I don't think, I mean, they have a returning quarterback at Cincinnati. It's still Hayden Moore, I believe. Um, Is it really? He's there for like the 12th? Wow. Okay. Check Impressive. It. Oh, and also Maryland. Maryland was 114th, by the way. Um, I was just going to say Cincinnati. If Hayden Moore's back, and I'm pretty sure he is, they had the number God, one recruiting class. he was class. junior last year. Yeah, yeah he was, was right. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. Um, he, uh, they had the number one recruiting class in the AAC last year. Yeah. So I would give Fickle another year, personally. 
um, the recruiting and the talent and the way that thing was headed the last year ish with Tuberville. Uh, we've said this a thousand times. We should just like, we should create the, our broken record record segment when you're on the top end of the AAC and you take a year or a minute off in recruiting. Um, you're done. You'll be eaten alive. <laughs> like, seriously, you're done. Like you just, Houston can attest to it. I mean, SMU, I think, is getting to a point where they're going to be considered elite. I really like the Sunny Dykes hire there, by the way. Yeah, um, I, I think so, yeah. It, it seems to be, like, in terms of identity and, and maintaining what's already being built, it seems like a very good hire. Uh, do you want to keep doing questions, Bill? Here's how I build a bridge into uh, this week's preview content. We'll just go ahead and knock out all the mid-major stuff right off the bat. Uh, one team to watch in terms of massive improvement as well at the mid-major level. Probably not 70 spots, but a good number. Bowling Green, today's uh, the recipient of today's preview. Bowling Green has been horrible the last two years. Um, but Mike Jinks, the third, now third-year head coach, um, has been recruiting at a top three level within the MAC for two straight years. And last year, he kind of stumbled onto, almost accidentally stumbled onto a youth movement that might stick. The the guy who finished the year as a starting quarterback was Jared Deggie, uh, brother of Seth, former Texas Tech quarterback, which makes sense because Mike Jinks was at Texas Tech uh, until just a couple years ago. Um, and he ended up throw, like just dominating in November, he ended up with like 64% completion rate, uh, over 100 150 passer rating down the stretch, 12 TDs to three interceptions. Looks like he was born to to play to lead the Bowling Green offense the way that Mike Jinks wants it run. Um, he's now also got Andrew Clare, a sophomore running back who kind of out of nowhere ended up rushing for six and a half yards per carry. Uh, he's got two good uh, receivers, senior receivers in Scott Miller and Dayton Guyton. It seems like the offense is going to be awesome this year. The problem, of course, was that Bowling Green's defense also resembled Texas Tech last year. Um, the, the pre-2017 Texas Tech uh, and that they were just they couldn't stop the run to save their lives they were a little bit opportunistic in the in past defense but not nearly good enough so he brought in uh, Carl Polini to run the defense uh, which I kind of love. I, I not, I mean, he's not going to suddenly make them a top 10 unit, but I like the, I like the thought there and they're going to have a lot more experience on that side of the ball. And he has been recruiting very well. So you're going to have this whole like incumbents from a bad defense versus a whole heck of a lot of front three star freshmen, a red shirt freshman kind of battle going on. That probably means good things, uh, you know, for, for 2018 and beyond. So boom, look at me segueing from the conference USA to the Mac or not the conference USA, but conference USA to the Mac uh, Bowling Green was the fourth preview uh, that I've done for the Mac this week behind Kent state ball state and Akron. Akron is probably going to plummet and Bowl- Bowling Green is going to take their spot near the top of the Mac East uh, ball state. Meanwhile, got wrecked by injuries in a way I've never seen a team get wrecked by injuries last year. And they could actually uh, rebound too, because of that. Woo. Boom. Maction. There's just something about a Mac team that's about to spring, you know, about to spring up that PJ Fleck aside, it's very hard to ascribe it like a, like a, its own identity to. It's just the way of the Mac. I know that that was the, my, uh, my lead in for Bowling Green preview today was basically like that. They're the most extreme Mac team in that, like everybody moves up and down and up and down and up and down, but Bowling Green never, almost never goes six and six. They, you know, they were two and 10 last year. They won 10 games twice earlier this decade. They've been doing that for like the last 40 years, just way up and way down and way up and way down. Um, so they are the, 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 the distilled essence of the Mac, uh, in, in a low, in lovely orange and brown uniforms. 
I would assume not, but let's uh I yeah, I well, I mean we know they're like who's playing on which weekdays in November, but before oh, that I'm not real sure. Oh, would, yeah, I mean they've uh, yeah, they've gone ahead and um, and it starts as it always does in late October. Let's find the worst one real fast. How about that, Bill? <laughs> the the worst Maction game. The All worst right. no uh, non Saturday Maction game that's that's suffering the, the the victimhood of. Oh, by the way, a new challenger has appeared. Remember that CBS Sports Network that we were just talking about? Mm-hmm. Am I going to have to fall in love with CBS Sports Network as the home of wonderful G5 play after all the years of complaining so loudly? They've got Mountain West. It's the least they can do for you. They've got Mountain West. They've got my, they've got my CUSA now. And, oh, look, Bill. They're the sub-partner for ESPN on the first weeknight set of games. October 25th, a couple days after my wedding anniversary. Wow. Uh, we've got two games, Ball State at Ohio and Toledo at Western Michigan. And right now they're listed as TBA, ESPN2, slash CBS Sports Network. So one of those games okay. will be on CBS Sports Network. All right. Sexy. <laughs> so here's the 2018. Oh, wow. What? This is, a, this is a recurring thing. I didn't realize the inventory with CBS had gone up this much. This is fascinating, Bill. Uh, the Maxion, the, the midweek Maxion schedule for 2018 begins on October 30th, Tuesday, uh, Kent State at Bowling Green. Uh, Wait, only I mean, good I mean, if I just because I just listed the October twenty fifth Thursday games. <laughs> you consider Thursday to be normal? Yes. Okay. So you so you're okay. This is a good. That's a good conversation to have. Do you consider so so just because like Clemson and Virginia Tech might play on a Thursday night? We don't we don't we don't fault the MAC for having Thursday night action. Right. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just a thing. Okay. Now. All right. Um, that's fine. Carry on. It's it's year round. Tuesday and Wednesday, however are uh unique to the mac uh in november but uh it starts on october 30th on mm-hmm. a tuesday can mm-hmm. state at bowling green which is only interesting if bowling green is actually good uh same day miami at buffalo uh, i like buffalo i like lance leipold i hope they succeed i will will not watch that game most likely because miami even when if, if miami if chuck martin gets miami to where they're good they're boring I don't really enjoy them very much. Wednesday, October 31st, Ball State at Toledo. That one could be pretty big, if only because Toledo has athletes. Uh, Tuesday, if we're skipping the, the Thursday, Friday, if we're accepting that as part of the normal schedule. Yeah. November 6th, Tuesday is Kent State at Buffalo. Gross. Right. Uh, November 7th is, is that, Ohio. Is that your clubhouse leader for worst one so far? Uh, yes. And okay. I think Buffalo will actually be pretty decent. I still can't justify that one. Uh, November mm-hmm. 7th, Wednesday is Ohio at Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. Rivalry, at least. And Ohio could be good. Uh, Toledo at NIU is that same day. That's you know always a very big Mac West game. So we'll uh, say that one's pretty good. November 13th with Western Michigan at Ball State. Uh, that one passes. Wednesday, November 14th, Buffalo at Ohio. That passes because of Ohio. Miami mm-hmm. at NIU. That passes mm-hmm. because of NIU. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, November 20th, uh, Tuesday, November 20th, Ball State at Miami. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Not as bad. Uh, NIU at Western Michigan, pretty decent. So I wouldn't count these. And, and then they have a slate of Friday games on the right. holiday week, but I wouldn't count right. those. So no. what are we saying here, Bill? I would say that the worst of that bunch is Kent State at Buffalo on November 6th. That means we should have a PAPN watch party for that I game. I see. The Mac's not going to be as volatile as like, where you, I think you, you feel pretty confident in tacking down what's going to be terrible. Yes, 
And I, I, the Mac, I will say this. I mean, as much as it, it's it, some years, it's pretty hard for me to get through these previews, figuring out new things to say about each team because they do blend together. Lots Copy of and uh, paste. Lots of my Mac teams have made interesting enough hires lately to make it kind of interesting for me to write about. Um, you know, Kent State struggling for like three weeks to find a coach, but then landing on Sean Lewis, who then turns around and recruits better than Daryl Hazel or um, uh, Paul Haynes ever did. Uh, that was kind of interesting. And just watching the culture shift going from a trestle ball team that wasn't very good at trestle ball to a Dino Babers style offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morbid curiosity partially, but that should be pretty fun to watch. Ball State really could be interesting if they don't suffer 138 injuries. Akron, I don't have a lot to say about this year, but they at least have some fun sophomores. Terry but they have Terry Bowden. Good. They have Terry Bowden, who's, who, and I got to write a little uh, uh, eulogy to uh, Chuck Amato's career. He retired a couple weeks ago. Um Green. Chuck Amato. Justiness. Um, Bowling Green is interesting because of what I just said, because I think they're about to be really good. Central Michigan's a little difficult. Buffalo, I'm just, I've always been fascinated by Lance Leipold trying to take on, go from Division Three unbeatable to Mac uh, and the transition that that requires. Uh, Western Michigan, I'm not real sure about yet. Uh, Eastern Michigan, just the fact that they're competitive and the fact that I called, I, I, instinctively automatically called Kent state the hardest job in the Mac, because it, it, that says a lot about the job that Chris Creighton's done. And I like talking about them. Plus they were unlucky as hell. Wait, last you think year. Kent state's a harder job than Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, wow. I don't completely know why, but just the, the track record Buffalo has okay. had as much success in like 15 years as Kent's had in 40. Right. Um, so I mean, that alone suggests it's harder. Um, Let's see. Where was I? Miami, Ohio. I yeah, that one. I don't. I don't love uh, talking about those teams. So you're just really going through the entire Mac preview right now, so you don't have to write it. Or are you just going to record this and <laughs> hand it in to Jason? Well, I'm, I'm testing myself here. I'm, I'm, uh, let's see. What am I going to write about when it's time to write about NIU? I think NIU is about to be really good. Toledo already is really good, and Ohio was fascinating last year in that they actually seemed to find upside that they hadn't had before, and then they blew it against Akron. So, uh, lots of interesting subplots there in the Mac this year. Boom. Bill just knocked out two. Bill. Yo, we've got some power five questions. You okay with that? <laughs> now that we've spent uh, a good more than half hour on, on real college football. Yeah. Let's, let's Look, I'm gonna go ahead talk and about this. the P5. I'm getting, uh, you put me in a corner. I'm going to freak out. Okay. I'm a claustrophobic <laughs> person. You're, you're burning out on, 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 on our, on our uh, niche. I'm going heel turn here. It's going to happen probably in a couple weeks where I'm just going to talk about Alabama and Florida State and USC every week. It's going to happen. That's okay. I wrote about the NFL this week. So, <gasps> I mean, we, we're, we're, it's really kind of a double heel turn that we're experimenting with here. Um, Kyle Rather, this is a great question, Kyle. Thank you for writing in at hashtag AskPAPN. By the way, I just real fast forgot to do the show intro. This is a podcast named Play Nobody. This is a college football marriage number and words. You know what? We're halfway through whatever you're listening. Um, by 2021, which of the following will have more wins at their current schools? You ready, Bill? Chad Morris, Arkansas, Tom Herman, Tejas, Dan Mullen, Florida, and then in all caps, he wrote Herm. <laughs> Herman. Uh, you, Her, and, I, and it was Herman, not Herm. I think Tom Herman. No, he, he wrote Tom Herman, and at the end, he wrote Herm, as in Herm Edwards. No, no, no. I, I said Herman, and I just wanted to clarify that I said Herman and not Herm. Um, what's your answer? Herman. Has to be, right? 
Yes. Well, I, you, I mean, you can make a case for like maybe Mullen catches fire or maybe mm-hmm. like Mullen leaves and Morris springs by Herman. There, you can't really make a 2021. Case for uh, saying by 2021. So we're not going to include that season. So let's do it backwards real fast. You're talking about 18, 19, 20, 18, 19, 20 three years. You have three years. I'm definitely saying Tom Herman now um, in three yes. years. I think Georgia is going to be better than they are now. I think that's going to change the <laughs> complexion of Florida tremendously. I also, obviously, I like the Willie Taggart hire at Florida State. So I think Florida's uh, in a brave new world where they're going to be fighting for third with Muschamp. I hope all of our coworkers are listening to this. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chad Morris, I think it's just that that's nothing against Chad Morris and everything to do with the fact that you're Arkansas and you're still in the SEC West. And I mean, Herm, I don't know, man. Kyle, did you just no. throw this in to be funny, or was this? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he was trying to, you know, get me riled up. I take it personally. Um, I'm just really, cu- no, I'm, I'm just curious. I guess it's a, it is a joke, but there is a scenario in which we have talked about this on previous shows. The Pac-12 South is not really spoken for. Okay. I don't think that USC is the USC of, of old yet. It, it totally can be. It probably always should be. I know the Pac-12 needs it to be. One of the things that we can definitely talk about maybe next week is what is going on in the Pac-12 right now. It's not good. Um, But I guess there is a world in which, I feel like I'm having a stroke as I say this, Arizona State is really effective in recruiting and is able to beat up on most of the division. I can't get there. I can't do it. No. no. Okay. No. I tried. I, I am the biggest sunshine pop pumper uh, at SB Nation, I think, which is probably saying something. And I no, no, no. Okay. No, no. All right. No, you got you. You, you got a bad USC is still going to be an eight or nine game winner probably. And Chip Kelly, like that. No. All right. No. At Meet Ch Kane because he doesn't have a username says, uh, "You boys think Miami can win a slash multiple national titles again?" Um, he didn't give us a time Again frame. Again, is a very long time. Yeah, he didn't give us a time frame, but let's just go ahead and let's say 10 years, Bill. Can? Sure. Will? I mean, I, picking against picking anybody other than like Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State to win a national title right now feels like a leap. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would say probably not. But no, there's nothing. If, if, if you can recruit – if you hire a good yes. recruiter and a solid tactician, then yes, of course you can catch fire in Miami. I think um, that there's definitely um, – I think time is on Miami's side. They're in the ACC. They've been there for a long time. They're, they continue to move further and further away from Nevin Shapiro and further and further away from this idea that they have to be the U of 1987 to be, to be successful. I don't, I've never understood that. Um, All programs evolve and change. Um, Obviously as you know, any, any program that's featured multiple national title runs, look at Florida is a great example. I, I, for some reason it's probably our fault in the media and you know, the 30 for thirties and the U and all that stuff. Like I just, there's no reason you're, you're still Miami. You're in the ACC. I know that there's some money structural facility stuff that isn't up to snuff with necessarily like the FSUs and Florida's the world. Although what's really funny as I say that is the knock against FSU and Florida is in their like 
when you get into the South, they overbuild to compensate for not being in a place like Florida. And so <laughs> they, the, they themselves get knocked for their facilities, but they're still probably on the whole, like better than Miami's. Um, I mean, I say that I haven't seen, I, I know Miami's done some construction, so maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but they've complained about the stadium for a long time that, you know, we've, we've really, the more I like, the, as I meander through this answer, Bill, I realize we've, we've created a lot of explanations why that maybe don't really have any solid logic. And I think we've beat up on Miami for a long time. You left the orange bowl. It's like Miami didn't leave the orange bowl. They blew the orange bowl up to build a really other baseball stadium. Okay. They didn't, I mean, I don't, I'm sure a lot of people would rather it still be in little Havana. Like I, I get all that. And yeah, you know what? It was awesome. And we loved it. And, and it has an inordinate amount of fans that aren't Miami fans. They just love it. You know? Um, I don't know. Like, there's still, there's still a power five program in South Florida. And I do think over time, that they are finally going to be allowed to be something other than what they were. And I think that's the most important thing. Right. Maybe yeah, build a I mean, stadium, maybe, maybe build your own stadium. Maybe like, and I know that's, that's a, a massive undertaking, but maybe when the Marlins are, maybe when the Marlins are sold to a, like Mexico city or something, you can just like retrofit that thing. I don't know. Havana, Havana, <sighs> whatever. I mean, why, why not yeah, actually come yeah, to think of it? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like that, that, that might work really well, actually. But no, no. Look, I mean, when there there are obstacles, there are reasons why things aren't perfect, and uh, we have complained a lot about the stadium. And I can't imagine just personally going to uh, be, being able to wake up in the dorms um, when when I was living in the dorms, and and being able to walk half a mile to the stadium, um, and you know, just kind of pick up, like you know, go through the tailgating lots and all that, and have a really good time. That was a major part of my college experience, and, and I, it always makes me kind of feel bad if, uh, you know, if if you don't get that experience or don't have the opportunity to have that experience uh, if you want it. And and so that's it's it it stinks that that Miami Stadium is like freaking forty five minutes away or whatever it is. Uh, that oh, is a different I mean, experience, on a Saturday morning. But, it's well over an hour, and I mean I've witnessed this firsthand that they, the kids take party buses up, and that sounds fun. And obviously, it's a pretty affluent uh, group uh, in terms of undergrads, but right, like that still <laughs> sucks. There's still a huge amount of tradition lost, but that also none of this prohibits you having a good football program, right? Right. They just signed a top 10 class. Therefore, I mean, that's, 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 that's the other part of this. They're, they just proved that they can recruit at a very high level, not like not Alabama, I mean, Georgia you, level. You, UCLA, um, I think they're, I think they have a longer distance issue. Yeah. Haven't we done this on the show before? Yeah, we, we have. And we talked about it as a detriment. Now that we're, now we're spinning it around and saying, Hey, it's not that bad, but I mean, it is bad. It is but bad. Again, no doubt. Just, but, it, but like, it didn't stop. It didn't right. stop uh, Chip Kelly from going to UCLA. And I don't think it would necessarily stop a premier coach. It is, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, the city of Miami and, and Fort Lauderdale and all the surrounding communities, like there's a huge amount of legislative issues and like it's a mess. I just found out the other day that the Panthers and Heat don't even play in the same place. <laughs> like, yeah, th- th- there's there's some issues that th- the city has going on and I don't foresee them all of a sudden just going, hey, you know what? We're going to build the University of Miami a football stadium. However... I, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, no, I mean, between the class they just signed, just proving that they can recruit at a top 10 level. And I mean, we saw, 
it was weird and kind of, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people got tired of it at the end of the year, but we saw a Miami team this last fall start out, whatever it was, 10 and zero, uh, and they had the turnover chain. They had the, you know, they had the, the, the trending kind of viral thing that you long for in college football. They did that just last year. They didn't have the pieces. They didn't have a quarterback. Therefore they, they eventually tripped up and, and kind of stumbled down the stretch. But that, if you can get there in Mark Rick's second year, um, then, you know, with better recruiting and a quarterback, why couldn't you take that first? I mean, they have the best head coach they've had since Butch. Butch. Yeah. Since, since before Butch went to the Browns, right? Not yeah. current FIU Butch, but like Butch, Butch being courted to go to the Browns, right? So at the yeah. end of that second U documentary, um, the question you have to ask is how long is Mark Rick going to coach? I don't, and no one sees him being a miserable chain to the job saving type um, or, you know, deathbed Bear Bryant situation. Um, he's so involved with the church. He's so involved. He's such a large family with the adoption. <laughs> he's such a, he, this is a man who will pursue a healthy and blessed life after he's done being a head coach. He'd be- he would be extremely underrated as a television per- person, by the way, too. Um, love when he just completely focuses out and starts talking about football and food. I think he would be great in in some sort of role like that if he chose to do it on Saturdays and then get home for Sunday and all that. I just I don't know. Maybe if it's three or four more years, I think then they they would be really well positioned to to make another great hire. Right. And that's what it'll come down to. If you, if you then, now that you've made your best hire in 15, whatever years, uh, 20 years, really, if we're going back to when Butch was actually hired, um, if now that you've done that and you, you, if he kind of builds the infrastructure and then maybe he pulls kind of what he did in Georgia, where he builds expectations to the point where he struggles to meet them. I understand that that could happen. Uh, I'm a huge Mark Rick Homer and I understand that that's a possibility, but then if you nail the next hire, whether that's internal, whether you think like Manny Diaz, for instance, is ready to take that step or whether you bring in somebody from outside. If you nail that hire, you are ready. You are positioned to then make a massive move. Um, and so that's that's what it comes down to. That's well, so much of what we talk about comes down to how good are, are the hires you make. And if you make two good ones in a row, your program is very healthy. Bill, are we – Spencer Hall is going to stab me with a fork for saying this. Uh-oh. Is Mark Rick the next version two of Schnellenberger? Explain. The program was very different when Schnellenberger came in. I'm being very measured with my response. They were essentially non-existent when, she, when Shelly gets, Schnelly gets there, right? Um, he creates something and really kind of pays it forward. Like the glory of Miami is really post-Schnellenberger. It is some while he's there, but like it's mainly it's after the fact, right? Like I personally, when I personally think of Miami, I think of Jimmy Johnson. Okay. And then, and then Erickson, cause I was, I'm a little too young to remember the Jimmy Johnson years. Um, maybe Mark Root is sort of a similar thing because look, that job was considered trash and a lot by a lot of, Oh yeah. They almost discontinued the football. But I, I, yeah. Even, even into the Al Golden thing, it was like, God, they're just going to get pillaged by FSU and Florida and recruiting. And now, like the mystique of staying in Miami is gone. You have two other FBS programs are fighting with FIU on the, on the field. And like Al Golden really did nothing. I mean, you know, uncle Luke said it best. You're the university of Miami. One of the most talent rich football cultures in the world. And you had nine kids on the roster from New Jersey. (laughs) 
Like what's going on? So maybe Mark Rick comes in and, and, and creates a Schnellenberger type moment that gives way to greater success down the road. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's what you hope for. And she, yeah, Schnellenberger only had one like truly great year. He, he got them good for a little while and they were kind of up and down. And, and then, then he leaves yeah, for the, the, uh, the USFL, USFL, right? Yeah. yeah. Was it the Louisville team? Uh, no, it was Tampa Bay. It was, it was my, I think it was Miami because they Man, it, it, like it dissolved as soon as they pulled him away from the university. Basically. Uh, I am furiously, uh, Wikipedia. We don't even have to answer that one. That that's probably too deep down the hole. But, but uh, the really, Spirit of Miami. He was going to be the head coach of the Spirit of Spirit Miami. Club. That's right. Uh, and then they immediately uh, all fell apart after that. But um, um, no, that's the goal. That's the goal. If you're Miami, is is you know uh, Mark Richt is basically a bridge hire with upside. Uh, somebody who can. Well, I mean, he just took them back to the freaking Orange Bowl this year again. Like we, they were they were a quarterback away from doing damage last year in his second year. He hasn't even really he hadn't even really started recruiting very well yet. So a lot of teams. This year, um, it's funny. Like there's a lot of 2017 teams that as we march through the off season, we're rediscovering because we just <laughs> either we either abandoned them, the narrative abandoned them, we got distracted by playoff. You know, my I think Miami's definitely one. Um, I, I didn't so much ignore them as we as we just watched the consecutive losses pile up. I mean, I I watched the entire pit game. Um, it was dreadful. It's horrible. Losing the way they did when they did definitely sort of shut them out of the conversation. But we were talking about a Miami. I mean, we were making as many jokes. I was making as many jokes as I could about a Miami Georgia national championship. <laughs> yep. When I would get up when I was when I was working on Project X in November. I was going through every time I would uh, a, a Tuesday would roll through on the playoff preview and think like, how can we get there either in the semis or the championship game? How can we get to Mark Rick versus Georgia? Yeah, we were joking uh, about it. And, and for like a week, it like almost became a serious thing. Right, like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. All they have to do now is pull, is not get upset by Pitt and then pull one upset. And they're there. And of course, they, they completely collapse there. But um, I'd just like to point this out, by the way, in terms of like Miami in the near future, you beat LSU in Arlington. A lot of who knows on both sides of the football yeah. there. Great, yeah. interesting, by far the most interesting game of, of week one, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you win that game against LSU and Arlington, you're going undefeated into Florida State. Because after that, it's Savannah State, Toledo, FIU, North Carolina. So you're going undefeated into, into Florida State. It's in Miami. I think that's a great time of year to do it. It's about halfway. It's going to be, you're going to have what you want. You're going to have as close to the old Miami as you can get in terms of environment and atmosphere. So it'd be cool. No, they, they, they hit that note a few times last year. There, there were a couple that Florida state game, a couple other games. They had the, I mean, the turnover thing, there was a little stick to that. And, and yeah. I think it did start to lose its luster after a while, but it got people involved. It got people watching the university of Miami. By the All way, right. if you, if you want to be Miami and maneuver through you, this is the year to do it. You got to yeah. play the Knowles at home. But, uh, after that it's at Virginia at BC Duke at Georgia tech. And then you have to close with probably the toughest back-to-back you're going to have all year, which is at VTAC and home for Pitt. Yeah, that's manageable. That yeah, that's like a that's show a ten me, and two season. Basically, show me if they, show me that they have a quarterback, and yes. I'll I'll become a, a, a Miami believer. We just we're, we're not going to know that one until the LSU game. All right, moving on. Yeah, 
our friend Nihilus Pat Nihilus Pit Fan Morgan at underscore MS underscore flood. Uh, what do you guys think? I love this. Uh, what do you guys think of college football using the non New Year's Six bowl games to test rule adjustments in a similar manner to how college basketball is using the NIT? So that this year in the NIT, yeah, I don't they, remember all of them. One of the things they're, they're experimenting with quarters. Right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, what, they're moving it further away, right? Um, I think you are asking a um, being who has not watched <laughs> a college basketball game. Googling. Um, I don't know. I, one of the things they are doing, they're finally moving to quarters, which I think has been a, um, a, a thing that a lot of people have been pushing for for a while because it'll change kind of the, the foul situation and, and other things. Yeah, a deeper three-point line, um, changing to quarters. What else? Was there anything else here? Do, 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 do. So the three-point arc is now 22 feet away, uh, which is the international. Uh, the re- shot clock will also reset to 20 seconds uh, after an offensive rebound instead of the full 30, which is kind of fun too. Um, so basically, you know, should we use bowls, uh, the, the lesser bowls in the same fashion? Hell yes, do it. Uh, like that would have been... Uh, well, we, there are always little pushes for things like changing the play clocks or uh, this year we had the thing um, about how now you can fair catch any kickoff inside the 25 and have it taken out to the 25 as a way to kind of further minimize the potential uh, injuries and whatnot on kickoffs, which, by the way, makes perfect sense. And I hate it because I love the tactical. I love being able to see the teams that can pull off and have that doing, doing that sky kickoff to like the three thing yeah. and, and pin opponents deep. It was a, kind of just an extra uh, way to get uh, an advantage if you had the right kicker. Uh, and so I kind of hate that they're going to get rid of that now, but, but I, I also understand, understand that this is how it happens. Yeah. This is how, this is what happens. Um, I'm, no, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I, you, and you can get weird hell. Like that's whatever you can think of uh, to, to kind of, you know, stretch hell, stretch the field out a little wider. I don't care. Um, whatever you can think of to just kind of get weird and make the bowl, the early bowl games more interesting. Hell yeah, let's do it. By the way, uh, as in, in real time, um, to, as it turns out, when I, I, I still tell Jason I should predict every single team yeah. in my previous series to win conference titles. Bowling Green retweeted my um, Bowling Green's probably going to be a lot better piece this year. Don't know why. Uh, and now, like, every single Bowling Green player is also retweeting that. So I'm, uh, I, I'm big in Bowling Green at the moment because I said their team would be good. Don't they have a strong uh, anyway. opening game? Let's see. They're non-conference. Oh, at Oregon. Yeah, they have at Oregon, at Georgia Tech is the other one, and then at Toledo and at Ohio. That will certainly tamp down the win total, but they can maybe – they have Maryland at home. Uh, and as a as a veteran of having having gone to see my P5 team play at Bowling Green against a team with a very good offense, that would have been the O2 game with, with Urban Meyer, um, it's not a fun experience. Uh, you can that, that, that can become a little bit of a hornet's nest, so have fun with that, Maryland fans. Bill. Yeah, kind of cruise through this show. We got, we got to like kind of wrap it up here, and we didn't really get to much. I, 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 that's that's the best kind of show. We can save stuff for later. Uh, what do we got? Another few questions here. Um, I had another good one. Oh, actually, I like this one, and I I, I don't know the answer, and so I'm going to stumble through it. But I liked it. Um, our friend Jim Schillender at Jimmy Shy O three. Can you explain? why there are more FCS schools in some regions than others, aside from the HBCUs mm-hmm. uh, coming from a state with no FCS teams, Michigan, are there historical reasons? Some schools choose to compete at that mm-hmm. level as opposed to D2 or wow, D3. Good answer. Um, my, I, 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 my initial, my, my reflex answer is basically it just kind of depends on who your friends were long ago. Um, 
like, you know, the Wisconsin schools, for instance, are all what D3, you know, uh, Whitewater and Stout and Stevens Point and all those. Um, They all just kind of had their own rivalries and their own little subsection of the country. And they started playing at that level. And then they just kept playing at that level. It's a combination of factors. It might be as simple Um, as that. Because geography of this country is extremely unique in college sports. You have, you have a ton of FCS programs in the Northeast, which is one of the most heavily populated areas in the United States. But in the same breath, you explain like Montana, Montana state, North Dakota state, North Dakota, as that's a population based decision in relative to their programs and when they establish sports teams. Some of it is history. Um, Population migration is the, probably the easiest way to explain it. Um, there was a bias against certain regions of the of the you know United States. There, this goes back to like the old, really old, like elitism stuff from the Big Ten of academics and and you know they they viewed as they still do you know the SEC and or back when it was the Southern Conference as sort of not not on the same footing in terms of, in in terms of quality of the academic institution. So there was sort of some self segregation there. Um, it is largely the answer is largely population. Okay. Uh, there is cultural, especially when you get into the HBCUs, the SWAC and the MIAC, um, obviously that their schools were, had specialized, uh, circumstances in terms of enrollment size, athletic budget. Um, but also the SWAC, you know, the SWAC kind of likes having its own environment. Um, they wish they had more money, but, it's not like a, a SWAC program is dying to join the CUSA or anything like that. So um, that's as close to a blanket answer as I can give. Um, money, money, especially yeah, I, in like it, the Michigan directionals, is a good answer as to why you don't have one there. Yeah, it really it is. I think yeah, when you decided to play to start football, uh, and who you started playing when you first decided yeah. to start playing, uh, because it, and and you know b- both because of the ambition level and the money available for playing those teams and everything else that you just kind of become part of your little cast. I mean, you think about like a wake forest, which has, it's not big. It's not that much bigger than like, you know, Washington and Lee, or at least it probably wasn't 85, 90 years ago. Uh, but they were playing, they, they decided to play against the, their, you know, their state schools and, you know, back in, let's see, uh, Basketball also helps when you talk about Wake. 19, yeah, but 1908, uh, Wake Forest schedule, they played North Carolina, North Carolina State, Davidson, Davidson twice, and North Carolina State again. Um, but that just tell like, that's that was kind of their first uh, – they got destroyed. They were terrible. They only beat Warrington Prep. Uh, but that, that was their first division, like top division schedule. The next year they had North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Washington, and Lee again. But basically – those are the teams they started playing and those were who they were kind of joined with from that point forward, except for Davidson, who apparently who at some point decided to, to bail. But, um, but no, I mean, that's, that's kind of the answer. It is, I, it's, it's why it's why it's one of the things that I think draws me to the promotion and relegation idea that won't ever happen. But just that you, there are schools that have that are even if they were ambitious, they just wouldn't be able to go very far because of who they're tied to and and how much money they have in their past and all that. Um, but you know, for offering a, a different path for some of those teams, I think is has always been very int- intriguing for me. If they want them, some of them don't. Could you know they like their they 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 like their neighbors just fine. 
Should we also mention now that Sewanee left the what would become the SEC? Yeah, so, so did Washington. When you talk about conscious decision making of what you want to be, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, that is. They one also disbanded football. That is one of the most. You know, we've talked about it. I've talked about it. It's 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 covered territory at this point, but that is, there remains one of the more. But like enormous butterfly effects, basically, you know, in the mid twenties, uh, when Alabama won the Rose bowl and, and some schools in the South decided, you know, we actually, we like football and we have, a, there's a way for us to stand out nationally in football and let's do it. And they started to pair off together and basically half the Southern conference became the Southeastern conference. The other half became the Southern eventually, you know, split off into the ACC and all that. It is funny to think about like the group that decided to go to that level schools like Washington and Lee who were playing Georgia tech and virginia tech and alabama and tulane every year west virginia um they decided you know what this isn't for us we're we're gonna uh stick with the southern conference and of course they eventually uh bailed on division one altogether uh even though they were they had a few decent years but uh, you know there were those schools but then like sawani does join the sec tulane joins the sec georgia tech joins the sec uh it's it's just you you flip those teams around a little bit and it's fascinating to think about all the different things that could change um if if those if circumstances were just slightly different. Whew. I feel like we covered a lot of ground this week. Dear, I'm going to knock out one more question just so I can make sure I've addressed it before we move on. This might be a good one to end with. Um, and, we, and we have absolutely we, – we covered Washington and Lee. We covered Miami in depth. We covered um, – well, Florida Boca Raton football in depth. It was a good time. Um, Mike Martin at MS Martin 0208. Um, not sure if this is if it's time for Ask PAPN yet, but here goes. It's always time for hashtag Ask PAPN. If you became a coach, um, this one was just directed at me, I guess. It, you know, although you know, I'd certainly hire you as an assistant. Fine, I'll leave. Um, if you became a coach after years of studying football, what things would you focus slash ignore in teaching players? Example: fumble recovery is luck. Knowing that, would you practice fumble recovery? Ooh. It is kind of interesting because, like, the, oh, I am. Uh, this is you're going to piss off every defensive coordinator. I know. Go ahead. No, I, I think they will be okay with my answer. But it is an interesting thought because I have spent the last couple of years really trying to tie the stat side of things to how football is actually coached, like you know, in practice. So we're not talking about hey, big plays matter. Go out, make more big plays. You know, we're actually tying the stats that are, are, are most directly impactful uh, to to the game. And and certainly part of that in my head is you know it could change how things are coached. Uh, as far as the example goes uh, with fumble recovery, fumble recovery is random, and over time it ends up being fifty percent. But it ends up being 50% because teams are doing certain things that they're doing. Um, now, I, I don't think – I haven't been to all that many practices at the, uh, at the college football level. But I don't think they're going to spend like you know a certain amount of time every single day, none that I've seen have, uh, pr- you know, practicing fumble recoveries. But it's, it's more just a thing of like see ball, get ball. When, when everybody's screaming ball, find it and jump on it. Um, and then you know, do very nasty things once the pile is uh, piled up. But the thing that you do coach in those situations isn't, I mean, whatever you, you, you see the ball, it bounces around, you hopefully fall on it. But the thing that you do coach is pursuing the play. Uh, I think it was, who is it? Bob Stitt. I think who, who, uh, when I, I think it was somebody I talked to for the, for study hall, the first, the, 
the study hall book. Um, I think it was Bob Stitt who basically says like you teach your linemen to continue going after the play just in case, yeah, like or, or you know a defensive end or something. He's not going to make the tackle, but if you, if a running back gets twenty yards downfield and it's stripped and you have five defenders there to only like the running back and one blocker, you're more likely to get the ball. It's still random, but you're still the odds are in your favor if you have more bodies around. And so that's something you 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 coach on both sides. Is just never stop watching the play, never stop pursuing the play because you don't really know what's going to happen. So that's something you would absolutely coach and it would impact fumble recovery rates. Uh, and it would just, it's a mindset thing that I think you absolutely harp on. It just gets boiled down into a dumber statement because we, they, they have their can quotes that they talk about, you know, it's just like a joke of being multiple and aggressive. That means something. It's just when it's said a thousand times and reduced to two <laughs> words, it means nothing. Right. But that's, yeah, that's kind of how the rate. media works. Fumble recovery rates are random over time. And, and uh, every year somebody tries to convince me that their team's 70% fumble recovery rate from last year is because they were just tougher. And it wasn't, it, it doesn't happen that way, but there's still a best practices kind of situation to where maybe over time you can reliably recover 53% instead of 50 or whatever that is. But every single time you recover a fumble, it's an opportunity for the game to change. And so you're, if you can make it go to 52% by following the play, you're going to do that. Bill, yep. we had a journey today. <laughs> yes, we did. We did television deals, two mid-majors, an extensive breakdown of a Power 5 national title contender in theory. I'm tired. I need a coffee. Uh, by the way, any coaches still listening to this, tell me how you practice fumble recoveries. Oh, God. You see, you're doing it again. I don't know why Manny hey, guys I, likes you. I... I am a good, I'm a good company man. I, this is an opportunity to create content out of just a backend question on the show. And that's the way this, you know, that's DIY right there. And I, you know, that should be encouraged. All right. That's the robot Bill Connolly. You can find him at SPN underscore Bill C. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can find me at 38 Godfrey. Um, I will be gone next week. Programming notes. Yes. Um, project. Yes, host. I'm getting sucked back into the project X vortex for one week. Um, Alex Kirshner of SB Nation will be coming in to replace me. Um, so, buddy, if this one was off the rails, just wait. We're going to talk so much about Pittsburgh sandwiches; it's not even funny. Yeah, there will be there will probably be a, a pretty strong amount of that. I'm not going to lie. So, my apologies in advance. I will see you guys in two weeks, <laughs> and you'll see me next week, whether you like it or not. Yeah, same old. <laughs>